Hi, this is Caden, and this is my daddy's podcast called Lasting Learning. I'm excited to share this episode of Lasting Learning with you, as we're joined by Barbara Ostrowska from Poland. Now, as Barbara and I were recording this, there were monsoon rainstorms working their way through Poland. The bandwidth was a little bit lagging in Central Europe, but we made it work. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this amazing episode from the other side of the world as Barbara Ostrowska joins Lasting Learning. This podcast is a proud member of the Teach Better Podcast Network. Better today, better tomorrow, and the podcast to get you there. Explore more podcasts at www.teachbetterpodcastnetwork.com. Now let's get on to the episode. All right, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Lasting Learning Podcast. This episode is a cool one because it is truly international. As I'm doing this intro right now, I am staring at the screen of a woman literally living on the other side of the world from me. It's the power of technology. It's the power of connections. It's the power of networks and the power of relationships. I am getting to know a new friend of mine who is living literally 6,000 miles away. As we're recording this, it is early morning for me on a Sunday. It's mid-afternoon for her. And from what I hear, it's going to be rainy today for me. So I got to be prepared for that because as I look into the future six hours, it's pouring rain in Poland. So it means rain's coming my way. I think that's how it works, isn't it? I don't know. No, today, though, I get the opportunity to talk to an amazing educator, an amazing person, just an amazing woman. Today, I get to introduce you to the incredible, the inspirational Barbara Ostrowska from Poland. Barbara. Thank you so much for joining us and talking to me in a language that is not your native language. I am so honored. Hello. Hello. Hello, everyone. Barbara, you know, you're you're living on the other side of the world from me, um, which means there might be some people here in my neck of the woods that don't necessarily know who you are yet. And I want them to know as much about you as possible. Do you mind just taking a couple of minutes and introducing yourself? Sure. Uh, my name is Barbara Ostrowska, and I am um, a teacher. Uh, by profession, I am a psychologist, actually. I have a PhD in psychology, uh, but uh, right now I am teaching in the Paderewski Private Grammar School um, in Lublin, Poland, which is sort of southeast of Poland. Um, and I am teaching theory of knowledge and psychology uh, in the international, international baccalaureate program. So. I am actually teaching in the international school. And uh, I have to say, I love it. Uh, I am also a part of the International Baccalaureate Educator Network. Uh, so I am working for the IB uh, as a workshop leader, as an examiner, and have a couple of other uh, roles um, for, for the organization. Um, what else? Um, I am a tea lover. Uh, and um, I have a husband and a dog called Max. He's a German shepherd. And I love learning. Awesome. Awesome. Barbara, I'm going to ask a, a lot of questions just to try to set the foundation here so that people can understand uh, some of the things that you just described. So I grew up 
traveling around the world. My dad was in the, the, the military here in the States. And as a result, I got to travel a lot, go to some Department of Defense schools and even some international schools. So I, I kind of have that understanding. Can you do me a favor and just set the, the um, groundwork here? When you say that you work in an international school, can you explain what that means and what that looks like? Yes. Um, I work uh, in the school that is um, a private school, but we have um, students coming from uh, some other parts of the world or some other countries, uh, mostly here in Europe. So, for example, as we live quite close to the Ukrainian border, we have uh, some students coming to our school from Ukraine. But also um, we accept a lot of students who are Polish uh, national. However, they were growing up somewhere in Europe and Polish is not their strongest language. So uh, that they can, um, they, they are able to finish their education in the language they feel more comfortable with, which is English. And uh, we are accredited by the International Baccalaureate Organization, which is one of the oldest, I believe, organizations that offers an international curriculum. Uh, that is the same around the world. So we are also able to accept students from anywhere really where they were doing their international baccalaureate programs and uh, they would like to transfer because of, for example, their parents are moving to, uh, to get uh, a new job. So uh, we have, most of our students are Polish, but during the, the IB program, however, we also have some international students and we definitely uh, exhibit the international mindedness, which is sort of the key for the, uh, for the IB programs. Oh, it's fascinating. And we're going to dive deeper into that in just a second. But I'm going to go back to another thing you said in your introduction that I think is intriguing to people. A PhD in psychology and you're yes. teaching at an IB school. Yes. Can, do you mind connecting those dots? How does a, a doctor of psychology find their way into a classroom? Um, I think we need to go a little bit back go to, for it. to explain that, actually. Uh, when I was uh, graduating from my high school, I firstly, I thought I will be a doctor. So medicine was my goal. But uh, back then in Poland, to get into medicine, you needed to pass exams from biology, chemistry and physics. Biology and chemistry were awesome. Physics was not. <laughs> And it was really nuts. Uh, my teacher gave up after uh, half a year uh, of teaching me. And he said that I will never pass my exams in physics because, um, no, this is not my strongest point. So I thought that the closest thing to, to, to medicine will be psychology so that I can work with, uh, with people and help people. And I, I think I'm that sort of a person who likes helping others, who likes working with others and, um, and supporting others in, in reaching their, their goals, their full development. Um, so uh, I started with, with psychology, uh, but when I was um, thinking about the alternatives, I, also, I was also thinking about pedagogy back then, about education. And uh, when I graduated from uh, from uh, my master's studies, uh, I started working in a school, actually. Uh, and um, I was not very convinced back then that this is something I would like to pursue. Uh, but, um, and I was doing my PhD sort of in, in the same time. So working and, and doing my PhD. But when I was um, finalizing my PhD, I, uh, I was 
definitely convinced that school is something that I would like to do and not the university. Although I love researching and uh, I have that, that researcher in me uh, still, and I am still pursuing some of the, the, the research uh, that I find fascinating and I love evidence-based practices. So uh, whenever I want to change something in my, uh, in my practice, I always look for some, some evidence, some uh, research that I can base on and I can incorporate uh, into my practices. So um, yeah, this is, this is how a PhD uh, psychologist uh, happened to, to be at school and I love it. I love it ever since. Oh, that's awesome. It's a great story. Um... It's fascinating to me. I, I'm curious to, to know a little bit more about schools in Poland. Um, I know you're at an IB school. So you are at a school that has this, this international flavor, um, a curriculum and standards that are based off of a, a standard of excellence and high achievement. And they're, they're grounded in this international framework mindset that a school in Mexico, Brazil, the States, Poland, Germany, UK, same same standards of, of excellence are, are at play. In Poland in general, um, the schools in Poland, can you just describe them for us a little bit? And if you know anything, to, if you could reconcile schools in Poland versus schools over in North America, what you understand is some of the similarities and possibly some of the differences. I know that's a big, broad question, um, are, but are, are educators in Poland, for example, are they are they revered or are they hardworking and are they facing the same struggles that educators in the States are? Are schools transformative? Are they progressive or are they traditional? And are they, are they doing things the way that they did things 30 years ago or are they innovative and trying new things? Mm -hmm. I think it's, um, it's very diverse. Okay. Um, and uh, I'm not totally familiar with the education educational system in the States. So I think you will need to do the comparison by yourself, but I can tell you a little bit about the schools. Um, when it comes to the structure, because I think that this will allow us to, to understand how it works, uh, we have sort of two types of schools, uh, primary schools and secondary schools. Uh, so the primary schools are the first eight years, and then they are followed by um, depending on sort of what type of the school, three to five years of secondary school, three for um, um, job-related schools, mm. uh, and five for the technical schools with uh, like a traditional high school, general high school um, being four, four years. So the students are starting and there is a curriculum um, that is the same all over. So we not have districts that have different curricula. We have only one curriculum that's set by the government uh, and it's obligatory for, for all the schools. Um, when it comes to uh, transitioning between the school or the eighth year of the primary school, there is an exam. This is a very basic exam from Polish as a native language, mathematics, and English. There will be one subject uh, exam, but it's not uh, yet introduced. Um, and based on that, that exam, students can get to uh, the secondary school. 
and uh, the schools and with so Polish math as uh, as obligatory subjects. Students also subjects. Uh, they will need you know, to get, they need biology and chemistry uh, as additional exams uh, for, uh, for the final, final exams. Um, they are quite traditional, I have to say, to how they are um, run. Um, as you might know from history lessons, uh, Poland is a post-communist country. So uh, a lot of that traditional learning is still at play when it comes to how, um, how teachers are teaching. But it's all changing quite a lot. Uh, I am a part of a, a group of teachers uh, that in Polish it's called Superbelsze, which is sort of can be translated as super teachers. And uh, this is a, a group of innovators. Uh, here in Poland, who are act as the first adopters of um, a lot of new pedagogical um, methods, a lot of new technological tools that can be implemented at schools. I have to say that having learning the year uh, now in Poland, I think that education in Poland should step forward when it the way uh, students are paid, um, and the way it's it we have a very con conservative government right now so they are trying to introduce some very conservative ideas into the curriculum um, like for example in history or in polish lessons and it um it's still very content-based, not skills-based. And uh, I think so. this is the major difference to the IB program that I am, which is very skills-based and not very content-based. I mean, it sort of depends on the, on the subject, but still, I think skills are more important. And even without knowledge, you can manage uh, to get a good grade if you have the skills to analyze, for example, um, the, what, whatever um, you need to analyze. So, um, Polish schools are definitely more content-based. They are based on memorization. Uh, there is a huge number of things you need to remember, uh, like dates, facts, um, that you will need to show um, on the exams. So, um, yeah, quite still quite traditional. As you were talking, um, I think listeners, um, so let me back up. For this podcast, it's an international podcast, but about 90% of the listeners are based in the States. And I'm, I'm guessing that a lot of other educators here in the States where I am heard your, your description and thought, wow, there's a lot of similarities here in the States to a, a post-communist country on the other side of the world in the way that we do education, whether it's the, the segmenting of primary and secondary, the, the um, assessments to, to drive promotion graduation, so on and so forth, the designation of tracks of college-bound, technical, school-bound, trades, uh, general education, even the, the somewhat, I don't want to say conflict, but the tension that might exist between educators saying, here are the skills that we know students need, and then government entities coming in saying, but here's the way school was when we were kids, and it worked fine for us, so we need to hold on to the traditions of the way it's always been. 
And it, it's fascinating to me that this is truly an international um, struggle issue, a source of tension, um, what, whatever the case may be. So I, I'm going to ask you a question about you personally, because we've just been connected now for a couple of months online. And I, I love looking at your social media profile, especially on Twitter, because I have no idea what half of your things are on Twitter because you, you, you post things on, on Twitter that are in Polish and I have no idea, but then you retweet a bunch of things that I am familiar with. And it's, it's interesting to me when I see like your Twitter feed, for example, the things that you are retweeting, the things that you are sharing come from primarily American educators, educators here in the state. So I'm curious, what caused you to, to reach across the ocean, to reach across the other side of the world and say, I, I'm, I'm going to try to embrace or investigate or learn from or communicate network with people on the other side of the planet. Hmm. I think uh, it's because of the, uh, of the language. Uh, English is accessible to me and hmm. um, a lot of very cool things are published by American teachers. Um, I have also some UK friends, for example, uh, that also uh, publish um, plenty of amazing um, teaching materials and, and ideas. But uh, yeah, definitely uh, Europe is quite diverse when it comes to different languages. And uh, some of the languages are simply not accessible to me. Uh, and some materials are not published in English, which is quite a shame. Uh, I think, because uh, there are lots of amazing teachers um, here in Europe as well. Uh, but because of the accessibility, it's easier to, to find things on Edutopia, for example, or, uh, or some other uh, websites uh, where uh, you can really find ideas for classroom practices. You can find things related to uh, the new pedagogical models that I am really interested in. And uh, I find it very useful to, to, uh, to reach out to these. There are, there are much more things in English than in Polish. So yeah, that, that's true. When I'm retwe retweeting, this is usually uh, the, the things in English. Um, I'm also trying to, to write my, some of the things I write in Polish in English as well. But uh, yeah, this is not as common probably. And Twitter is not that popular actually in Poland, especially mm. for teachers. So. Uh, I mean, all the government organizations and, and NGOs have Twitters, but uh, for teachers, there are only a, a handful of teachers who use Twitter every day. It's fascinating. Um, on that, why are you even curious? Why are you even looking for new pedagogical tools and tricks? Because as you described it, you have a, a situation, again, that is similar to the situation of a lot of people in a lot of countries, whether they're in Canada, the UK, the States, where it's okay. You, you could get by by just maintaining the status quo, by just placating to those that are saying, just teach facts, just get kids to memorize, put the ownership on the students, teachers, you don't have to be progressive. You don't have to go out and find the newest pedagogical um, strategies. But yet you are. Why? Because I think that uh, teaching is not about the content, but about the skills. And I truly believe that our goal as teachers is to prepare students for, uh, for their futures, whatever it is. Uh, we probably don't know what it is yet. 
and uh, I can prepare them best if I reach out to these new new pedagogies, uh, new approaches to, to teaching, and um, especially working in, in the IB program. Uh, you said that I can keep the, the status quo. Um, working in the IB program, it's never the status quo. Uh, the, the idea is that the curriculum changes every uh, So you need to adapt as a teacher uh, every seven years to something, something new in your subject. And it's also based very up to ideas. Uh, be able to keep up with um, ideas and um, and be able to support the best you can. And um, I really believe that my job as a teacher is to to teach students and not to teach the content and to be uh, the best cheerleader, the best mentor they can have in, in their school. Mm. I, I love that. And I, I love the, the wisdom of, and you're reconciling that because you're in an IB environment and there is this pressure just from the system you're in to say, innovate. You have to innovate because we are innovating. It forces the educators on the ground to say, okay, then, then we need to do something as well. Because you could, you could leave the IB system and go to a different system that doesn't push and doesn't innovate and doesn't force it. And you could find yourself in an extremely comfortable place for 30 years, but you've chosen to put yourself in a place that's forcing innovation, that's forcing you to change, forcing you to reflect, forcing you to enhance your skills constantly for the sake of the kids. And let's, let's just be real too. Typically in IB environments, you're surrounded by students that are already quote unquote, high achieving students, students that are already excelling that if they were in a traditional school would be high achievers, but yet you're still pushing, you're still innovating, you're still growing because you want to reach those kids, those students to move them beyond where they currently are. And I, I absolutely love that mindset and appreciate your willingness to push the needle for yourself and for the kids that you surround yourself with. That's amazing. It's amazing. Yeah. And, but also the students who are coming to our school, they are not only high achievers, but they are also looking for the teachers try something, something different than the Polish educational system. And I think um, this is sort of the reason why they're coming. And uh, one more thing, I don't think I would be able to translate sort of a normal school, as you said, uh, to, to the traditional school. I would still teach the same way I am teaching, right? I feel that only this way I can be the teacher I would like to be. And there is no other to do that. Well, I love the fact that regardless of the circumstance, regardless of the situation, you recognize in yourself this need to constantly grow and improve. And because you know it's such an important need for you, you've placed yourself in the situations that are supporting that, forcing it, and allowing it to manifest. Because there are a lot of times with my own life, I, I've got this the, uh, a personality style where in my own world, I'm constantly searching for the greener grass and constantly saying, is there something better? Could there be more? And at times, 
I surround myself with others who say, no, just be content, just settle down, just slow down. And I feel this tension at times. Am I supposed to continue to push and grow and excel or just do what the masses are saying and just accept the way things are? I love that you recognize that things can constantly be better. Things can constantly improve. So you surround yourself with other people, institutions, organizations that force that mindset as well. So love it. I love that, that ownership and that uh, recognition on your part. Barbara, I, I'm curious though with all of this, recognizing that you are truly on the other side of the world and this podcast is now being listened to by, by literally thousands of people around the world. Not to put pressure on you right now, but I want you to imagine that the people that are listening to you are just soaking up your every word. They are so impressed by your wisdom, your story, your journey, and they are about to, to pull into work, pull into the grocery store, fall asleep at night. They're listening to your story. They're listening to, their, to your words. And you get the opportunity to say something to them that's going to be transformative, something that, that you want them to remember about you, to remember about this conversation. Because again, you've outlined a lot. You've outlined your journey, your story, your school, your, you, who you are as a person. But if you have the opportunity to say one final thing to them before that mic is dropped and you walk off into oblivion, before you walk out of their lives, what do you want people to remember or to know or to walk away from this conversation with? I'm thinking right now. No, you're totally fine. <laughs> going to see probably. Mm -hmm. I would know that being able to to teach to innovate and to um, in contact with amazing young people can be very life-changing can be uh, an awesome professional development because I think I'm learning new things every from my students and uh, that people on the other side of the world are also innovating are uh, trying to use new teaching tools new perspectives uh, to implement them into into mentioned uh, one thing for example uh, for two years now I, we decided to, uh, two of my friends who are also leader of knowledge that we are going to go gradeless uh, and we have a gradeless classroom. Classroom, uh, We are um, only grading the students and we are using every opportunity to give them the best feedback there is so that uh, they can develop their skills and they can, they can uh, grow as students and they can better understand what we uh, need from them. So yeah, some I would like to know. Oh, it's so good. And you gave me goosebumps when you started talking about grades and feedback and knowing that that's a conversation taking place where you are as well. And the need to just to recognize where kids are and help move kids forward with the best pedagogical skills and mindsets possible. And if that means going gradeless, go gradeless. That means being specific and focused on your feedback, do that. But regardless of what it means to you, 
continue to innovate, continue to look at your students, teach the students, teach the skills, then teach the content in that order. And I love the fact that you are doing that and you're reminding all of us to do it as well. And I appreciate the fact that you took time out of your Sunday in the middle of a rainstorm on the other side of the world to hang out with, with me and to share your journey and to share your thoughts, your mindsets, your innovative practices with so many others. For those of you that are listening right now, in the show notes, I'm going to have Barbara's contact information. I'm going to challenge you, connect with her. She will inspire you. She will grow you. She will motivate you to step out of whatever reality you're in, to embrace what's new, what could be, and to be transformative for your kids. If she is able to do it where she is, you can do it where you are. This is, the, the, this is what our kids need. Our futures are based off of the futures of our kids. So step into this new reality, step into being progressive, step into changing your life so that you can change the lives of others. Barbara, thank you again so much for just being you, being amazing, taking this leap of faith and saying, yeah, I'm going to try this. I'm going to step out of my comfort zone, hang out with somebody on the other side of the world, talking in a language that I'm, that's not my native language, but still sharing your story. I appreciate you. Thank you very much. It was a pleasure. Thank you so much for checking out this episode of Lasting Learning. Interested in learning more? Feel free to check out one of my books, like Making Assessment Work, for educators who hate data but love kids, or Bold Humility, or It's Like Riding a Bike, How to Make Learning Last a Lifetime. Just visit schmidto.net for more information, or feel free to check out Amazon.